Hello and welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. The topic today is autonomous farm equipment. Specifically, we're talking about a synchronous operation research project at Olds College of Agriculture and Technology at Olds, Alberta. My guest is... Roy Mackey. I'm a research project manager for the Olds College Centre for Innovation. Synchronous operation has two machines, one autonomous without a driver and one with a driver on board. These machines are working the same field, doing the same job and working off the same field map. Basically, it's one person running two machines. Roy Mackey leads a project to test synchronous seeding and spraying operations on prairie-sized fields. We start with a few questions to get to know Roy. What brought you to Olds College? I've done many things. I actually started my career in ag research and just the type of work they were doing, putting uh, technology in with agriculture looked like a good fit. And I felt that uh, maybe I could uh, both benefit and and, uh, contribute to uh, moving technology and the match of of technology and agriculture. Maybe I had something to add with all my experience, and I think I do. So uh, I, I felt it was a good fit. What is most of your experience in, or what what organizations did you work for? Um, I've, uh, I actually started out with an upstart in uh, ag research. It was a, uh, a sprayer research where we were using a shrouded sprayer with fine droplet application as a method methodology to uh, reduce chemical usage. And I'll date myself if I say this, but it was in the 80s. Um, and then I got involved in uh, other areas for several years, uh, uh, the food industry and, uh, and of course the oil patch that most people get uh, involved in. And then I returned to uh, agricultural research uh, about uh, 11 or 12 years ago uh, and uh, worked at another organization doing similar work to this and then uh, uh, here I am now here today. Have you always had an interest in robots? Being curious in nature. um, I've always been one to like to know how exactly things work and uh, I uh, I actually really dove into building uh, embedded controllers and writing uh, operating systems for them, and I actually spent 10 years of my career doing so. So I've got the grassroots um, experience for from the ground up with computer systems. So uh, when you have that background, you understand the uh, unlimited uh, applications that can be done with a computer because at that level you just you can do anything you want uh, because you're you're making it happen from from the ground level up and so robotics or robots is just a field that uh, would be a a big challenge to do and I, i could see how I could put the pieces together. So, my question about robots is a bit of a a hint at 
the definition of synchronous operation, which is what we're going to be talking about. What is synchronous operation, Roy? Synchronous operation from a broad acre agricultural point of view is where you have two machines working in unison in the same field at the same time producing a uh, the same as applied map. So what that entails is both machines need to know where each other is and what they're doing and uh, work on completing a uh, field operation or mission of, of uh, doing a job. It sounds like the broad definition would be any two pieces of machinery, but for you in this project, one of them is manned and one of them is autonomous. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, a novel uh, uh, challenge to try and do, and uh, I'm not sure if it has ever been done before, but uh, we are one of the first to try that, and uh, and uh, we were successful in in completing uh, the field. You did seeding and spraying operations. Let's start with seeding. What equipment did you use? The autonomous vehicle that we have here at the college is, uh, some people know uh, its name by DOT. The founder of that was the Seed Seedmaster Company. It's a Canadian Canadian invention out of Saskatchewan. And it, later it was uh, sold to uh, Raven Industries, uh, which in turn was bought out a year ago by CNH. And it was renamed the Omni Power Platform. So our robot that we talk about is uh, the Omni Power Platform, the autonomous vehicle. It carries its implement on its back, so to speak. Um, so we used uh, the seating implement we use is a Seedmaster 30 foot DSR uh, with a 15 inch spacing. And so it's an air seater. So that was one piece of the equipment. And the other one was a Seedmaster 60 foot DSR, uh, that's a single rank machine. They both are at 15 inch spacing. So one was twice as big as the other. And it, and it's, this is conventional equipment, of course, pulled by a, by a tractor, four wheel drive tractor. And so those are the two pieces of equipment that we used. What are you measuring to compare the autonomous versus the conventional? We're looking at a number of parameters. So we're looking at the field efficiency of uh, both units, uh, and what and so that's one thing. And another parameter that that uh, we we like to use and uh, is called route efficiency. So that's uh, another parameter that we uh, we measure, and of course fuel efficiency. Let's define yeah. each of those, Roy. What is field efficiency? So what what it is, it's a percentage of actual acres per hour uh, work done uh, divided by theoretical acres performed. If you had a field where you had zero movement or time to uh, turn around at a headland and there were no headlands, that would be the perfect field, which really doesn't exist. Because every time you come to the end of a field, and turn around, you are losing efficiency from 100%. So um, field efficiency measures um, uh, 
and it's also based it, it's it's based on time as well so you have a a, a, a travel speed that you um uh will will travel at but every time you stop to add inputs like fertilizer or seed or fuel well that's reasonable downtime that you have to uh that you can't avoid you you have to stop and stop and uh lose time for those inputs but that's just part of the operation so uh, that measurement you can expect field efficiencies uh, 65 to 75% and it depends on the operation right so if you had one machine that you could do the whole field without stopping for inputs you obviously you're going to have a greater field efficiency than one where you have to stop you know three or four times to uh, load inputs but you said that the field efficiency for for both the autonomous and the conventional was in that 65 to 70 range so they're they're similar in terms of field efficiency do i have that right Yes, a 30 foot unit uh, versus a 60 foot unit may have similar field efficiency, but the 60 foot unit's going to get basically twice as much work done. It's not about the size, it's about the efficiency of that particular implement. Let's go on to root efficiency. What's that? It's it's basically again uh, the theoretical distance that you would have to travel across a field having you know zero time to turn around at a headland so to speak uh, versus the actual time that it takes if you routed your field so when you're done you have to travel across it to get to the exit well that's extra travel that you may not have to do if you routed it differently and so that would lower the the, the route efficiency in that respect whereas if you could plan your field so that you enter uh, in one area, finish the field and come out another area. Well, instead of having to travel back on that field, well, you'd have a higher efficiency. So it's more of a measurement that that we use to study things like uh, environmental considerations, like compaction. Uh, the more you drive in a field, of course, you're compacting the soil more. So uh, obviously, a higher road efficiency would have less compaction than a lower one. The Omnipower unit has a slight advantage in route efficiency, Mackie says, because it makes perfect headland turns. In this case, you used, like I said earlier, an autonomous piece of machinery with a conventional piece of machinery. So you've got one operator and two machines. It doesn't have to be that way, but I think, do you, do you see that as being the entry point for a tool like OmniPower where it's not fully independent, it's autonomous, but it, it does have a, an observer close by. Is that, is that likely to be the way farms are introduced to this? Yes, and that that is uh, driven by the state of technology and, and safety. Um, we, we call that supervised autonomy. Full autonomy is when it's it's gonna it's gonna start up and it's gonna come out of your shop and it's gonna go on its own to a field and it's gonna perform a field operation and drive all the way back. We're quite a ways from that. So the way we we were it's being introduced is supervised. 
for say mostly safety reasons, as the technology evolves, there's less that's less and less important. You can see where the labor savings works as well. Now one person is running two two machines in the in the correct way. Did you have any near misses or issues safety wise with the Omnipower? We haven't because we've we've followed the protocol which requires for uh, super uh, supervised autonomy. So when you're planning a uh, what we call a mission or field operation, you do uh, two things. You you make a field boundary so uh, you know the uh, perimeter of the field, and you have to mark obstacles. An obstacle could be a power pole or uh, a wet spot where you won't, don't want to drive. And in one particular instance, uh, there was a rock pile that uh, we, was overlooked. And uh, not really paying attention, all of a sudden uh, the robot stops and we better go see what's going on. And uh, uh, it has... Uh, now we we just got uh, what what I'm going to call perception. Uh, perception is what uh, an operator in a in a uh, in a conventional piece of equipment does. It's the eyes and ears that an operator has. Well, the only perception up until lately has been a tripwire on on Omni. So uh, the the near miss, uh, everything worked well. Uh, the hit the rock pile and it hit the tripwire out front and the tripwire says, hey, we've hit an obstacle, we stop, so. Doesn't sound like a major event though. But yeah, so as that perception gets better, it could, you know, see and then drive around an obstacle like a, a rock pile. Yes, and uh, with just two weeks ago, we, we uh, received a significant uh, 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 advancement in perception, so uh, you can you can say now that our robot has eyes. So we're just mm. in the process of learning about that and 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 studying uh, how well that works. Now I'm thinking of the the Omnipower pulling a 30 foot drill versus a, a larger tractor pulling a 60 foot, and maybe that's just a limitation of horsepower. I'll let you explain. But in your mind, Roy, what are the limitations? Of omnipower for field use. What what we're finding with with any any field e efficiency, if you got to size the, the the right size of equipment for the right size of the field to do things efficiently. Just like if you bring in a 92 foot drill into a 35 acre field, well, you're going to spend all your time setting up or trying to turn around where Omni would have an advantage over that, as an example. But um, the limitations of Omni, because it's an autonomous vehicle, it is awkward to move from field to field. Uh, this autonomous equipment, it does not have a, a, uh, a uh, operator's platform on or a cab or anything like that, so it is not meant to be driven on a public road. So what we do is we, we transport it from field to field. So the limitation is you need a trailer to move it. Once you're in the field, it can run autonomously once you're once you're set up. Uh, so so that is a limitation, and uh, it's not really an autonomous issue. It's the way the platform was designed.
I'm thinking of your your example where you know the advantage of a smaller unit is that it could get into some of these nooks and crannies because a lot of the fields, maybe most of the fields on the prairies aren't perfect squares. It could take care of some of these more challenging areas and then you could use your big unit to uh, on the open more open areas. I'm just imagining a, a scenario where that having two different sized equipment or machines in a field might actually be an advantage. Yes, and in this particular case, it was a fairly good field, but there there were some uh, tight corners and uh, moving around some bush areas and, and slough areas. So Omni uh, did the headlands. I believe it did three headlands while the conventional uh, unit did the AB lines. The two were doing the areas that made most sense to the size of the equipment. Let's talk about spraying now. What, what's the spraying setup? Um, so, as I said before, Omni carries its its implement on its back. Uh, so, with the cedar, it was a 30-foot air drill. Uh, we have a, um, uh, a sprayer that is 120-foot boom and a 1,600-gallon uh, uh, tank for... Uh, for your carrier and chemical. So it is ex uh, almost exactly comparable in width to a piece of, uh, to conventional equipment. Uh, we don't have the horsepower that, that uh, conventional high clearance sprayers have. So basically we can't travel as fast in the field as, as a conventional. We're, we're not bad, we're 11 or 12 miles per hour where conventionals, I think they're going up to 20 miles an hour now is is not uncommon. So you're you're covering half to a little more than half the amount of acres that the conventional one. But again, if you're a custom operator with just one person, or if you want to send one person to a job with this synchronous operation, you could have one person doing, you know, 50% more work with a second unit. One of the things you mentioned earlier was was working from the same coverage map. That's part of the synchronous operation. Is that more difficult than than it may sound? It it was a challenge in that you you have to be both both piece both implements have to be working in real time. And uh, and uh, your your own the only common thing between the two digitally is that map. Both have to be happen and adding to the to the map from two completely different guidance systems with two completely different uh, connect, cellular connectivity devices into a uh, a common place which we'll call the cloud and that's where the map is made and the map gets downloaded so you can view it in your uh, in the uh, conventional cab. What are the barriers to taking this to farms today? It it takes it's going to take a a bit more thought going in, understanding how autonomy works and where it can benefit your area. It's not going to work for every application. Um, you know, for example, if you're you've got the perfect farm with all big fields, well, maybe you don't need the small one. If you have no obstacles, you don't need the small one to go around and do. Uh, headlands uh, that might not make sense. However, however, if you've got irregular 
fields and small ones and big ones. Now it makes a bit more sense where um, you've, you've got autonomy working in the in the small, more complicated fields that are harder to work with and you your conventional equipment is targeted on um, the easier, larger ones. At the end of the day, it all comes down to efficiency. There's not much time to put the crop in or harvest. So everything has to kind of work together well and, and planned out well. So before autonomy becomes very mature, where it's where it's you push a button and away it goes on its own, uh, the, the barrier has to be a higher level of planning to make sure uh, autonomous uh, equipment will give you that advantage. I'm often asked, when do we expect to see autonomy uh, being mainstream? And uh, it's it's a hard one to answer, but I, I look at, I'll, I'll use the Omni Power Platform or DOT as an example. It was, it was, it didn't exist I don't think it existed six years ago. It was an idea. And uh, maybe five years ago, they had one prototype. And five years later, here, you know, we've got over 14,000 acres so far uh, on a three-year program here. We're on equipment that was on a drawing board six years ago. So that's not a bad pace to go from an idea to to testing autonomy in broad acre farming. So I, I think it's, I think it'll come quicker than everyone thinks because we've got some great, great innovators out there doing great work and, uh, and, and it's coming. And so uh, I have great hope that we'll see it soon. What's next for your Olds College research? Well, um, we look at all kinds of different technologies and and uh, we run projects where we evaluate how they fit into agriculture. So uh, there's a number of them going on now. That's uh, the only we've only talked about one that we do here. There are several. There's lots going on in uh, in uh, field sensors and uh, collecting data and working with data and uh, and and how we draw conclusions from that data. So so that's ongoing and and happening. Omni has one more year uh, of funding left for this. So we're going to continue what we're doing and we're probably going to uh, more acres next year, more fun things like synchronous operations and uh, the other thing that we have to get into is this connectivity. It's not great out there, so we're going to be learning more about cellular connectivity uh, and how to improve that, because that's a big part of autonomous operations. We need that. Well, thanks, Roy. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I wrote an article on synchronous operation for the January 2023 Canola Digest. If you don't get the magazine, you can read it online at canoladigest.ca. 
Olds College is part of the Pan-Canadian Smart Farm Network with an objective to share data and expertise to improve the practical application of smart agricultural technologies. The network includes Olds College Smart Farm, Glacier Farm Media Discovery Farm at Langham, Saskatchewan, the Lakeland College Student Managed Farm at Vermilion, Alberta, and the University of Saskatchewan Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence. To find out more about the network and about Roy Mackey's research, visit the Olds College website at oldscollege.ca. Canola Watch is an agronomy service from the Canola Council of Canada with support from the three prairies-based canola grower organizations, SAS Canola, Alberta Canola, and Manitoba Canola Growers. At the core of Canola Watch is a timely agronomy email with regular updates throughout the growing season on pests, weather, fertilizer management, and other topics. If you are not already subscribed, please sign up at canolawatch.org. This has been a Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter. Thank you very much for listening.